Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Derek Schultz, filling in for the coach Bob Lovell. Graham Shear running the board tonight, and Eddie Garrison has a five-minute update to get you abreast of all of the sports happenings here in the great state of Indiana. You and Graham Shear tonight in downtown Indianapolis. A bit chilly, but it's still a nice night on the circle. Some boys' high school basketball scores is where we will start. First with an overtime game in Fort Wayne. Dwanger and Northrop. Three points is the margin with Dwanger pulling out the victory against Fort Wayne. Northrop, Fountain Central, and North Vermilion tonight. 13 points is the separation and Fountain Central's win over North Vermilion. Ron Colley, Garen Catholic, and it was Garen Catholic finishing on top by a 10-point margin, 62-52. West Washington falls to Henryville tonight, 54-46. Heritage Hills puts up 80 in their win as they cruise over Tell City, who scored 25 points. Bloomington Lighthouse and Indian Creek played this evening, and Bloomington Lighthouse fell to Indian Creek, 67 One of the more lower-scoring games on the docket so far tonight, and that comes from Indianapolis, Cecina, and Lebanon, 39-37 final score with Cecina finishing out on top. John Glenn and Bremen, 71-41, and that's Bremen suffering the 30-point loss to John Glenn. Lakeland Christian and Oregon Davis, 52-48 final score with Lakeland Christian coming away with the victory tonight. Lakewood Park and Clinton Christian, and that was a blowout as well. 77-29 final score, Lakewood Park with the win. Mishawaka and South Bend career, 12 points separates the two teams. A fairly high-scoring game, 74-62 with Mishawaka coming out on top. Mooresville's defense was too much today for Greenwood as the Pioneers defeat the Woodmen 48-29. North Judson and Argos. And Judson comes out with the victory, 50-31. to 31. Northeastern and Winchester, 10 points is the separation between these two teams. And Northeastern wins, 58-48. to 48. Starting tomorrow, semi-state and girls high school basketball class 4A at Huntington North at 10 a.m. It'll be Fort Wayne Snyder and Fishers. The winner will take on the winner of South Bend, Washington, and Lake Central. That game will be tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, as will in the Southport region. Bedford North Lawrence and Center Grove, that game will start at 10 o'clock in the morning. That will be followed up by Lawrence North and Ben Davis. That will wrap up Class 4A. Now moving on to Class 3A from LaPorte. Twin Lakes and Hamilton Heights, they have the early morning game at 10 o'clock. Then at noon, it's Tippecanoe Valley and Fairfield. The winner of those two games will play at 7.30. Again, that's in LaPorte in Class 3A. The other game is from Jasper at 10.30 in the morning. Gibson Central and Corden Central. The winner will advance and play at 8 o'clock tomorrow night in Jasper. And they will play the winner of Bishop Chatard and Indian Creek. That game expected to tip off at 
12-30. Now moving to Class 2A semi-state for girls basketball. Andrean and Lapel. This starts at 10 o'clock. Central Noble and Lafayette Catholic. Lafayette Central Catholic will follow it up at noon. The winners of those two games will play at 8 o'clock in Logansport. Then in Shelbyville, this will conclude Class 3A. Forest Park and Greencastle, they get the morning game at 10 o'clock. Then at noon, it's Eastern Hancock and North Knox. The winner of those two games, much like the rest, will play at 8 o'clock. Rounding things out in Class 1A, Try and Try Central. That's at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And Bethany Christian in Washington Township will be at noon. That's in Frankfurt. The semi-state game that will dictate who goes on to state will be at 8 o'clock tomorrow night in Frankfurt. In New Albany, this rounds out the semi-state game's Bloomfield and Jacksonville at 10, Lanesville and Trinity Lutheran at noon. The winner at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk. Network Indiana, hour number two. Thanks so much for joining us. Filling in for the Coach Bob Level, I'm Derek Schultz. Eddie Garrison on the update desk and Graham Shear as the producer tonight. It was a good one over on the northwest side as Pike outlasted Lawrence North 65-62. He called the game for the ISC Sports Network, and no stranger to this program, no stranger to high school sports or sports in general here in Indianapolis or Indiana. It's our good buddy Greg Rakestraw who joins us now on the guest line. You got a good one tonight, huh, between those two teams. That was, that was a lively crowd. I did tune in for a little bit of that one. Yeah, it was senior night, which is always a good crowd, and I love the way the Pike students showed up for that game. You know, Pike Pike has had a good year, not a great year. Both teams now 15 and 7. It was a fun game, and, and, you know, we have made so much, and rightfully so, of Ben Davis being 24 and 0. But to show you how tough it is to win a state championship in, you know, in the Indianapolis area and get out of here and, and move on, you know, Ben Davis is 24 and 0. They beat Pike by four, and Southport took them to overtime, and they've got to play both those teams, you would think or at least one of those teams at some point in the sectional coming up in a couple of weeks. So nothing is guaranteed, and uh, I think if Pike gets to Ben Davis, they can certainly be very competitive with the best team in the state. Tell me if I'm off a little bit here, because you're far more of an expert than I am, but it, it almost feels like the city teams are and the Donut County teams, it, it's kind of like the Big Ten was, I guess, up until Purdue hit the skids here, where you've got Ben Davis at the top, and then you've got like LN and LC, North Central, Pike, who are kind of like Maryland and Northwestern and IU, they, you know, good teams, but just not quite to the level of the top team. Am, am, I, am I right in saying that? Correct. There, There is Ben Davis, and then there is everybody else. And again, Ben Davis really has not been seriously threatened other than Carmel, and that game was on January the 27th, by anybody since the middle of December. Southport the first time and and Pike the first time got Ben Davis early. Those games, in fact, within three days of each other. The Southport overtime game was November the 30th. The Pike game was December the 2nd. It kind of to some degree corresponds to when Mark Zachary entered the lineup. You know, when K.J. Windham rolled his ankle for Ben Davis on December the 10th, that was, you know, I think it was kind of fortuitous, frankly, uh, because Wyndham is a perfect six-man. Zachary is a better defender than K.J. Wyndham, and that's kind of when Ben Davis took off. So, again, Ben Davis is clearly number one, and of all the Ben Davis stats I have used this year, my favorite on them was that as of last week, they had 15 of their 24 wins against teams in the top 25 of the Sagarin ratings, and they own wins over numbers 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 10. That's how good their schedule has been. 
So they are they are the best team in the state, and they're playing for history. And at the same time, they're not even locked out of their sectional because that's how good Indianapolis 4A basketball is. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, you you look at their the, the scalps that they've claimed so far this year. It's a, it's a who's who. In fact, most of those teams they've beaten twice. <laughs> you know, that's how good right. they've been. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this because obviously you were on the call of the NL Pike game tonight, but the uh, the NCC was decided in Anderson between Kokomo and and, uh, and Anderson and. The Wildcats ended up winning that one going away thanks to a, a great performance from Flory Badunga, 32 points on a perfect 13 of 13 from the field. I know you've gotten the chance to see Flory, who is one of the best players in the entire country in the class of 2024 on ISC. Uh, what have been your takeaways from what you've seen from the star junior? He is so good and yet still has so much room to grow. You know, to, to his credit, he doesn't take shots or not in his arsenal really, you know, jump shots outside of 10 to 12 feet, he just doesn't look at them at this point. To Coach Peckinpah's credit to Kokomo, they went out and tried to find as many quality Indianapolis and other statewide teams to play. The way it kind of worked out, it just kind of fell early in the season. You know, they had Center Grove and Brownsburg, both come to the Phil Cox Memorial Tournament. They got Carmel on the schedule. Zions will be on the schedule for a while. Uh, and they were able to play Ben Davis in the Sneakers for Santa event at Brownsburg. Well, Zionsville is important because Flory played against Nick Rehard, who's 6'9". And Ben Davis is important because he played against Zane Dowdy, who is 6'9". Uh, so, so he has played a, 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 some of the other best bigs in the state. Most of those games took place in, you know, in November and December. They simply haven't played as good of a schedule come January and February. But clearly they're the best team in the North Central Conference. The, the sectional they play in, sectional seven, is really a North Central Conference Invitational other than Anderson who bumps over to play in sectional nine. So really how it shakes out for Kokomo is they should get out of their sectional. Now how will they match up against the best teams from Fort Wayne and whoever comes out of the Hamilton County sectional? But Kokomo really is one of, I'd almost say, six or seven teams in the northern half of the bracket, Derek, that have a chance to get downstate to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. If it's okay, I wanted. To, I had a couple of pro sports questions for you as well, Ray. Can you hang tight through a, an update? This is not atypical for me to hang through a break. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> awesome. Wanted to make sure that was still okay. I still regard you as my boss, so that's. I, I want to ask permission when it comes to stuff Wait, like that. That that is not the case. We are simply colleagues at this point, that's and that's right. perfectly fine. We'll talk more with Greg Rakestraw next. Indiana Sports Talk rolls along here on Network Indiana. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates. I'm Eddie Garrison, and the championship game and the Jordan Rising Stars should be starting in, in between 15 to 20 minutes with Team Joakim Noah pulling out the win over Team Jason Terry. The G-Leaguers gave it a fight. It was 40-32, to 32, but they were down as much as a dozen. They made it a three-point game, and then Team Joakim Noah just pulled away at the end. In the previous game that, that featured Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhard, they're on Team Pau Gasol. They defeated Team Duran Williams by 15 points. Benedict Matherin had seven points. He was two for six from the field, one from three beyond the three-point line, and two for four. From the free throw line, Andrew Nimhard, two points, two assists, but he had the play of the game in the first game with a sweet assist. Here's Mark Kestisher on the call on ESPN Radio. Andrew Nemhard fires to Alvarado. Deep corner, thought about a three, but Wagner got there defensively well. Now passes to Nemhard, the Pacers rookie. Behind the back, beautiful to Alvarado, who's got 13 points. Team Powell is 11 points away. That pass had better be on Sports Center tonight. 
championship game will start on TNT in about 15 to 20 minutes. Also on the floor for the for Team Pal Gasol, Jaden Ivey, he had four points. He went two for three from the field. So let's see if Jaden Ivey can get some points here in the championship game against Team Joakim Noah. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Thanks, Eddie, for that great update. More scores coming in, and we will get them to you as soon as we get them here on Indiana Sports Talk. On Network Indiana, filling in for Bob Lovell, I'm Derek Schultz. Greg Rakestraw rejoins us on the guest line in a busy week here in Indianapolis, pro sports-wise, as the Colts finally name a new head coach after a, uh, I believe it was 36 days of their coaching search. And you know what, Rake? Honestly, with as much as we complained about having to wait around, um, I think you could really defend the process here, right? They said they were going to be deliberate and they were going to be thorough and they were certainly deliberate and thorough and they ended up with one of the most respected names and and candidates and offensive minds that was out there on the the open market. You know, as as we got closer to the Super Bowl, you were hoping for the explanation that made the most common sense because there was not a lot of common sense at times uh, with this operation in 2022. Uh, but when it got close to the Super Bowl, and basically it was down to the Colts and the Cardinals that were left still waiting, you had to kind of think, hey, they're going to hire somebody that's still coaching this year, right? And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and frankly, I thought the way that you explained it on Query and Schultz uh, was exceedingly astute uh, earlier this week when you basically said, look, do we all know if Shane Steichen's going to make that great transition from being an offensive coordinator to being a head coach, no, we'll find that out over the next year or two. But if you're just going by the pedigree and just going by the resume, um, this is the absolute right hire for the Colts. And what I have said in every interview like this this week, to me the most important thing that it signifies is that you hire the young offensive mind because you are going to pair him with a young quarterback. And so that means the Colts are finally going to address that glaring need with the fourth pick in the draft, or maybe one even before that, by the time we get to uh, early, or to uh, the end of April. Personally, my other important takeaway was Steichen, to me, represents that this search was exactly as Jim Mercer said it was going to be, and that was one that he was going to approach with an open mind and let his general manager dictate the search, and it certainly appears that that was the case, and uh, it, it wasn't the case. I think we know with the way the Jeff sure. Saturday situation went down or the Matt Ryan benching went down and, and some of the decisions in 2022 went. So so to me, Rake, that was my other big important takeaway, not just that it was Steichen, just the fact that this proves that that I think Ursay took a little bit of a, uh, you know, he's the owner of the team. I get it. He has to give his, his voice has to be heard. He has to give his stamp of approval. Of course, the buck stops with him. But I like the fact that he uh, he delegated here, I think, a little bit more than he did throughout the fall. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I agree. And if Chris Ballard is going to be your general manager, you need to let him be your general manager. And this franchise has been very successful when Jim has done something that he is exceedingly good at, being a wonderful public relations face of the franchise. You know, he he has turned into this very warm, lovable public figure that is, I don't think there's any, maybe only Mark Cuban would be like him in terms of the social media interaction and response to the fans in terms of being so 
consumer-driven. It's the only owner. I'm sure there are others, but it's the owner that immediately comes to mind for me. But Jim has largely been hands-off in terms of football operations. I'm sure he's given his opinion behind the scenes, but he has let the people that he has hired go out and do their job. And so if Chris Ballard is going to continue to be your general manager, then let Chris do his job. And I think that played out over the last five weeks. Greg Rakestraw joins us, uh, the voice on ISC Sports Network of the Mick Games and a lot of other events on ISC and, of course, the preseason TV voice of the Colts as well. Um, let's go to college basketball. Um, panicking about Purdue, or is this just – is this the schedule goblins if you will because sure. you know let's face it this year in the, in the big 10 at northwestern and at maryland back to back that's about as tough as it gets here's, here's what has me concerned is just at some point in time Braden smith and fletcher lawyer had to hit a wall mm-hmm. um and and you know fletcher did not play as many of kind of the the all-star circuit as you normally would he played in the, in the hoosier reunion classic he did not play in the indiana all-stars um, Braden Smith couldn't because Braden basically played hurt for the last two months of, of his senior season and heroically led Westfield to their first ever boys basketball sectional championship. Then couldn't play in the All Star games because of that foot injury. Um, you know, obviously, then you get to campus in mid June and you are working like crazy to be as ready for Big Ten play as you possibly can. And the way those guys have played to this point has obviously superseded expectations. But at some point in time, the wear and tear of going through something you've never been through before has to catch up on you. And so that's my only concern for Purdue is that these guys that have played over their heads all year, are they coming back to earth? And do, do they have enough time to get that second wind and be ready for something they've also never been through before? And that is the NCAA tournament. So that that is that is the concern that I have is that because you've been so reliant on, on these very talented freshmen, you and I are both very high on. Can, can can they find it again? Can they recapture it and keep it? That's my concern for the next three or four weeks. Yeah, and you know what? Game to game, it's it's hard to really know. Am I right? How they're going to be officiated? <laughs> I mean, I, sure, I think some yeah. of uh, some of their success or failure is uh, how much referees are going to let it go. Because if they're going to let a bunch of stuff go, and you can really kind of get physical with Purdue, particularly with Lawyer and Smith, not just Zach Eady, um, that's the game plan to beating them. And let's face it, okay, this is we, the last time that something like this has happened. You and I weren't even thoughts in anybody's minds because our parents were, were younger than us. The last time you've had this level of age discrepancy in college basketball was like literally after World War II. You've got guys that are 18 and 19 years old playing against guys that are 23, 24, and they're even 25 years old in some cases because of looser grad transfer rules and looser uh, you know, uh, red shirt restrictions, and now because everybody gets a fifth year that played during the COVID season. And so when you're 18, 19 years old, it's always tough in the Big Ten or major college basketball. It's even tougher now because you're playing against guys been doing this for six or seven years. And so the physicality difference that is allowed in some Big Ten basketball games or rugby scrums, whatever they're called, does not play into Purdue's favor. And that's crazy thing about Purdue not being the more physical team. It's kind of the unique nature of this bunch. So I, I think the best thing for Purdue and some other Big Ten teams, too, would be to get to the middle of March and no longer see Big Ten teams for yeah. a while. 
I'm obligated. Anytime I mention Purdue, you got to mention IU or uh, vice versa. So, uh, <laughs> so no one gets mad at me. Let's talk about Indiana as well. Look, they're not going to win the Big Ten at this point, right? Barring a miracle. So the preseason conference favorites are not going to do that. What would make this season a success for Indiana? Is it getting to the second weekend? Do they have to get deeper than that? Where are you, given what the preseason expectations were for this team, but also the fact that sure. they hit the skids in the middle of the year and, and you thought, oh my God, this team might actually backtrack towards the bubble before they ended up saving it here? I think I think the second weekend is, is, is good enough. Again, I don't want the players thinking that. I, I don't want Mike Woodson thinking that. But realistically, given you know how big of a, of a NCAA tournament void you had had for so many years, and knowing last year you made it, squeaked your way into the play-in round, and then got crushed after you got out of the play-in round, making the Sweet 16 is the next step. And I know there are expectations of greater than that. And I think if the matchup is right, this team can do more than that. But I think if they get to the, to the second weekend, you kind of go, okay, now you're playing with house money. Let's go see what happens. And, and, and while their tracks to get there have been completely different, what IU and Purdue have in common is I'm not sure what's, that, that what happens the next two weeks of the regular season is that important. I don't think what happens in the Big Ten tournament is that important. It is all about what these two programs do in the NCAA tournament that is how we're going to measure this season for each of them. Are you doing the girls' semi-state games tomorrow? I am not doing the girls' semi-state games. We on ISC are, are, are producing these for the IHSA Champions Network at both Southport as well as Frankfurt. I have Marion basketball in the afternoon. Then I have the Wrestling State Finals telecast and stream on the Champions Network in Valley Sports, Indiana. As I tell people, the Wrestling State Finals is maybe the easiest gig I have all year. I interview 14 winners, a Mental Attitude Award winner, a winning head coach, and I think of something neat to say in the first 30 seconds of the broadcast, and that's it. Uh, in my years of doing this, I've only had one guy that didn't want to inter- that didn't want to be interviewed because it was the first time he had had a point scored against him the entire year. Wow! And he's heavyweight, so he's bigger than me. So I, I didn't want to make him mad, but thankfully he ended up doing the interview, and you know I survived. And here I am talking to you five or six years later. It's a great event, always is. Thanks so much, buddy. At Greg Regstraw on Twitter, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Derek. That's our buddy Greg Regstraw. Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana rolls along next. With this Network Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. Earlier this week, the Indianapolis Colts officially announced their head coach. It's former offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles and Shane Steichen. General manager of the Colts, Chris Ballard, on Tuesday explained what he learned about his team during this process. I learned a ton. Um, I think we all did. One being, it's always fun to talk about your roster. So that was good. That was a good learning experience. I think you know, getting what people thought from the outside. Um, two, that this is still viewed and as it should be as a good job, even though that was getting not always the way it was painted. We had, I promise, no issues in terms of people coveting uh, the job and wanting to be interviewed. Um, and, and feel very fortunate that, you know, that Shane's here. 
Now, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts said that they will be grinding every single day. You know, again, you know, we, we have, a, you know, we want to get some things done here uh, as an organization. This is a special place. Uh, there's a lot of rich tradition here. Um, we've got a lot of good players in place. I see some of you guys sitting right there. Looking forward to working with you. Um, but again, it's going to be a day-by-day process that uh, we got to grind every single day, and we got to be relentless in our pursuit to get done what we need to get done. Next up for Shane Steichen will be assembling a coaching staff. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Thanks again to Greg Rakestraw for joining us. My name is Derek Schultz, filling in for the coach Bob Lovell. This is Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana, whether you are joining us in the Indianapolis area or on 107.5 The Fan or WIBC or any of the um, other affiliates here uh, in this building, or maybe you're on one of the affiliates in Southern Indiana, Northern Indiana, Western, Eastern, Central, wherever you are. Thanks so much for tuning us in tonight. Graham Shear is our board operator, and of course, Eddie Garrison is on the update desk. But we talked to Rake Straw about a variety of topics there, as you know, Greg's a well-rounded guy, so we can get to a bunch of different things. But I did want to transition. We spent so much time on, in the first hour of the show on high school sports in the girls' semi-state, and then the boys' high school scores coming in, Flory Badunga, et cetera. Um, I thought we'd get over to the, the, the big news of the week here, at least in Indianapolis, which was the Colts naming Shane Steichen as the new head coach, ending a 36-day wait and search for uh for Shane Steichen uh among 14 other candidates uh at least 13 of whom interviewed and eight of whom ended up being second interviews so this was a a thorough and complete process just like Chris Boward and Jim Merce said everything that they said at the beginning of the the process ended up being true by the end of the process and that's not always the case in pro sports with owners and general managers and and all of that you know guys I don't want to say lie, even though certainly lies do happen, but they misrepresent the truth or misrepresent intentions. The Colts were pretty clear and transparent about this when you add everything up. And I think that's appreciated for a fan base that in the past couple of years has lost some trust with this Colts team, whether it be from the Andrew Luck surprise retirement or... Or anything else, you know, the, the way the Jeff Saturday situation and Frank Reich firing was handled, the way the benching of Matt Ryan was handled, and suddenly Ellinger's the starter, and wait, no, he's not the starter anymore, and then wait, here comes Ryan again, and then wait a minute, no, it's not going to be Ryan, it's going to be Foles. It was a mess. It was a mess, and it was hard to make sense of anything that they had going on. And to come off what was just a disastrous season. I mean, this, for all intents and purposes, was just as bad as the 2-14 and 14 campaign in 2011. Just as bad. I wasn't around for 91, so I, I can't speak to 91 when they went 1-15. and 15. But around the team that, in the years that I've been around the team, 15, 16, 17 years, the, the two that really stick out are, are 2011 and 2022. And I think the reason why this one stings more is because you had the built-in excuse with the Peyton Manning situation with the neck. You didn't have that this time around. You didn't have a built-in excuse. This team was expected, maybe not to contend for a championship, but certainly content, uh, expected to contend in the AFC South. They couldn't even do that. So this was a mess of a season. And the fan base not only was frustrated, they were mad. And this is a fan base that that doesn't get mad a whole heck of a lot. This isn't Chicago. This isn't New York. 
you know, those are, you know, you talk to a Jets fan, you talk to a Bears fan, that, that's all that's all they are. They live in anger. They're always angry. And they have a reason to always be angry. But they're mad. And they let you know that they're mad. Here in Indy, a little more laid back when it comes to that. People get mad, don't get me wrong, but not like Chicago mad, not like New York mad. And so to come out of that and end up with a coaching hire that has been widely praised and a process that has also been widely praised and celebrated, I think is a good thing for this franchise. Look, we have no idea if Shane Steichen is going to be anything. We have no idea. There have been plenty of there, – there is a whole football graveyard of hotshot coordinators that ended up being flopped. Remember Mike Martz? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Remember Matt Nagy? Supposed to be kind of the next big thing? Steve Spagnolo after those Giants Super Bowl teams? You know, th- there have been a lot of hotshot candidates that have completely fallen on their face. I mean, does Josh McDaniels count? <laughs> is he a, is he a hotshot candidate? Spends however many years with the Patriots. I know he had that failed stint with Denver, but then he comes. The Raiders. It was a disaster, right? It was awful. Thank God that wasn't here. Thank God he said no. You say what you want about Frank Reich, but you had to have been happy that you ended up with the Reich results. At least they were a respectable football team. There were some highs in there than what you've had so far with Josh McDaniels. So I I think the point of this with where we sit today on February 17th isn't to declare that Shane Steichen is bound for Canton or anything like that, but it's to at least grade what we know and what we've seen and what's happened to this point. And and to this point, since the offseason, it appears that the Colts have handled themselves pretty well. They've, they've had a defensible process and a def- defensible decision in Shane Steichen. So whether or not you were frustrated about them dragging their feet or whatever else and, and being maybe too tedious with this whole process, I mean, 12-hour interviews, that's a little much, right? I think we'd all agree. You don't want to sit in a room with anybody for 12 hours for a job, even, even a dream job like coaching an NFL team. But they ended up with a guy that was one of the most gifted offensive minds on the market, He's young. I don't know how exciting he himself is because at the press conference, he looked to be a very old 37. But I love the fact that he got emotional. And I love the fact that he's worked with three different quarterbacks who could not be more different. You know, we talk about Jalen Hurts and Phillip. You're not going to find, I don't know if you're going to find two more differing quarterbacks in NFL history than Jalen Hurts and Phillip Rivers. Those guys are completely and totally different. Totally different skill sets, totally different attributes, the whole deal. And both of those guys flourished with Shane Steichen, among other coaches, of course. So that gives me a lot of hope here with whoever the Colts are going to draft next. Because let's say if, if it was just Steichen and let's say that he had only worked with Justin Herbert. Well, look, I, I could coach Justin Herbert. I mean, that, that dude can do anything. He could fit in any offense. He can do anything that you ask him to do. He has every skill that there is and, and every measurable <laughs> that there is. So 
take him out of the equation, but Jalen Hurts was a guy that that needed to be coached. He needed to be developed. He needed to be put in a situation where he could succeed. Phillip Rivers at his age, you know, Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, at least in my opinion, but Phillip Rivers at his age, there in, in his late 30s, 17, 18, and 19, needed to be coached and developed, and you have to squeeze what juice was left out of that, and he did that. So there are other things for the Colts to solve. I mean, they've got an offensive line to solve. Um, they need more playmakers really on both sides of the ball. The defense is good. It's not great. So there are other issues for the Colts to tackle here, no pun intended. But the biggest one of all is the coach and the quarterback. Those are two things that they absolutely have to get right. So you got to get Steichen right, and you got to get the quarterback right. And the problem for Steichen is that if they don't get the quarterback right, then this isn't going to matter. Because anybody that you have out there, if, if you're just going to bring in like the next Zach Wilson, then you're screwed. But regardless of whether it's Levis or Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or even Anthony Richardson, who's apparently rocketing up draft boards from Florida, who's maybe the rawest but the highest ceiling prospect of those four guys, I think you can talk yourself into Steichen with any of those four because of his track record and because of who he's worked with, anyone and and anybody, any skill set that there is. And making the offense malleable into whatever skill set that is. So that's what excites me about it. Also, the Colts have nowhere to go but up. And this is talk yourself into stuff season. You know, it's February, right? You're coming off a bad season. You want to believe that the worm is about to turn for the Colts after an eight-year slog into NFL mediocrity and purgatory, and hopefully Shane Steichen and insert quarterback, rookie quarterback here is the duo to go ahead and do that. We're going to talk more high school sports with more phone calls when we get back. Busy slate in boys basketball, girls basketball, semi-state weekend coming up tomorrow. Final 16 teams at four different sites. We'll tell you all about it when we return. It's Indiana Sports Talk. Rolling along here on Network Indiana. Stick around. Well, the championship game is going on right now in the Jordan Rising Stars game, and it is Team Pau Gasol leading Team Joaquim Noah 21-18. to The target score in this game is 25 points. Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhard are on the team that is currently ahead, now 22-18. to And Matherin leads the team in scoring with 7 points. He's 3-for-5, so much better than his 2-for-6 in the first game. Andrew Nimhard has not attempted a shot, but he does have a rebound and an assist. In the first game, Team Pau Gasol defeated Team Duran Williams, and Matherin had 7 points, a leading score in that game for Team Pau Gasol was Jose Alvarado. He had 13. Andrew Nimhard had two points, and Jaden Ivey had four points. In this game, Ivey is scoreless, or he's got three points on just one shot attempt. Now, back to the boys' high school basketball scores. 
Western Boone and Cascade played tonight, and Western Boone came out on top by 651-45. to Daleville scored 51 points, but they lost to Wapahani, who scored a blistering 95 tonight. That's a plus 44 on the scoring differential for Wapahani in their win over Daleville. North Montgomery only scores 32 as Tri-West wins by 35 points. Washington falls to South Knox 55-48. to South Bend, Washington picks up a win over South Bend. St. Joseph 66-59. And then Shackamack defeats Eastern Green 49-48. to Thanks so much for joining us. Indiana Sports Talk here on Network Indiana filling in for the coach Bob Lovell. I'm Derek Schultz. Let's get right back to high school hoops. You heard some of those scores from Eddie Garrison, who is on the update desk for us tonight. And a little bit earlier in the program, we had Trent Whitaker call in, the head coach of the New Pal Dragons, but another person that was there not only witnessing the game, but describing it on New Pal Radio. You know him not only from Dragon Sports, but also as the voice of the Indy Fuel. He is Andrew Smith, who joins us on the guest line. Andrew, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Derek. It was a... It's just a really good win for for New Pal tonight over a very talented, young Mount Vernon team. Uh, They've got three excellent freshmen uh, led by Julian Smith and Luke Ertle, who were both in double figures tonight. But it felt like a game that New Pal wins 66-52 where experience kind of won out over youth. Uh, New Pal wins its first outright conference title in 10 years in the Hoosier Heritage Conference. And it really began senior Ian Stevens, 6'6", forward, uh, scored 12 points in the opening quarter and take New Pal to an early eight-point lead. And Mount Vernon kept making runs. And every time they did, New Pal had an answer. And whatever the Marauders took away, the Dragons were able to find something else to go to. So they took Ian Stevens away in the second quarter. Uh, his front court running mate, Ben Slagley, scored 11 points in the middle quarters. And the Dragons always maintained a lead of about six to eight points. It would vacillate sometimes to two or three uh, as Mount Vernon would get hot from three. And then uh, in the fourth quarter, senior Blaine Nunnally, third on the all-time scoring list at New Pal, does what he does. He takes over the game, and with the uh, Dragons leading by six, he hit an early three-point play, then fed Moses Haynes for a three that uh, put him up 11 at 57-46, and from there uh, they were able to see the game out and improve to 19-2 and and, uh, looking for uh, potentially the second 20-win season in school history tomorrow night. Uh, New Palestine team continues to play some really, really good basketball. And uh, it's a good win for them, especially as we hit the last couple weeks of the season heading into sectional play. And that's a good league that they just won. Uh, six of the eight teams have winning records, and it's an even better sectional. We were talking about that with Coach Whitaker. That sectional nine is, is absolutely loaded, where you've got Anderson in there as well. Uh, how much does that the challenge of the conference play well for them with the looming postseason not only the the conference games but going out and playing a good ln team playing southport um playing in that lebanon tournament earlier in the year for new pal moving forward and i think that's exactly why they picked up lawrence north why they picked up southport a few years ago is to prepare them to play teams like anderson in the sectional that you maybe don't see in the regular season but you see the athleticism, the the pace of play that they play with uh, that's a little bit different than sometimes you'll see in the Hoosier Heritage Conference. And the fact that they beat a very good Southport team uh, a month ago, 
played Lawrence North to a one-point game in, in the game where the lead changed hands three times in the final minute. It was just a tremendously well-played basketball game. Those are the games that really prepare you for that tournament atmosphere. And, yeah, it's a loaded sectional. You've got four teams that could – and Mount Vernon, that fourth team, they're 13-8, they're and eight, but they play a incredible schedule. So you've got four teams that could – claim to be top 20 top 25 teams and uh, and then the other three richmond is solid muncie central is having one of its best seasons in a long time and pendleton heights is um they're they're an eight win team right now but with josiah augusta six seven forward they're a dangerous team as well there are no easy games in that sectional and it's one of those fields where it feels like the draw is going to be really really important but whoever wins that uh, up at the Muncie Fieldhouse in a couple of weeks will have really earned it because it is a it is a stacked field for sure. That's Andrew Smith, the voice of the newest Hoosier Heritage Conference champion, New Pal Dragons, as they move to nineteen and two with that win over Mount Vernon. Always great to hear from you, my man. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Derek. We'll talk to you later. That's Andrew Smith. More calls still to come as we continue here on Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. Thanks, Andrew Smith, for joining us. We just crowned a champ in the Hoosier Heritage. We also crowned a champ in perhaps the game of the night, at least in 4A, in the NCC, the North Central Conference, as Kokomo goes to Anderson and knocks off the number 12 Indian 69-52, to the Wildcats number 6, and run their winning streak to 11 games. And on to talk about that, he is the sports director at WIOU up there in uh, Kokomo and Howard County Sports. It's Chris Lowry who joins us on the guest line. It's funny, Chris, because when you have a, a front row seat to Flory Badunga every single night, you look at these box scores and you probably say, yeah, that's about right. 13 of 13 from the field, 32 points, no big deal. It, it's special, right, what he continues to do seemingly night in and night out? I tell you what, you hit the nail absolutely on the head right there. It is special, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves what we are fortunate enough to see pretty much each and every night. And you think about 32 points, 14 rebounds, no season or career highs right there. So kind of another day at the office, as you talked about. But the day did not start out or the night did not start off too well for Kokomo. It was a lengthy delay between JV and Varsity as it was senior night for Anderson. And Kokomo was kind of sitting around, standing around, waiting for the game to start on the bench, and Kokomo was blitzed early. It was 10 to nothing within a minute and a half gone by. At that point, Coach Peckerpaul for the Wildcats calls a quick timeout, and after that, really it was all Kokomo. The Cats were able to rebound and take a one-point lead into the second quarter at 16-15, played even with the Indians in that second frame, and then outscored them by 10 in the third and six more in the fourth quarter to win 69-52. But really that third quarter... Shane Spear, senior guard for Kokomo, a monster third quarter. He finished the night with 12 points and eight assists, several of those assists being lost to Flory Badunga, especially in that fourth quarter. But Flory had nine dunks unofficially tonight, including the first time for me I've ever seen a reverse alley-oop in a high school boys basketball <laughs> game. It was a sellout crowd at the TP. Standing room only, and the fans definitely got their money's worth tonight. As you talked about already, uh, Anderson's 14-game winning streak came to a close, but Kokomo extended their winning streak to 11 tonight as they wrap up their first conference title in 10 years. Got about two minutes here, Chris. What does this mean for the postseason for Kokomo to win in an environment like that, trailing 
10 nothing. And, I mean, look at this schedule. Carmel, Zionsville, they've already played number one Ben Davis. And I know that they didn't win all of those games, but how much is this regular season and playing in virtually any atmosphere against all of these great teams going to play for the Wildcats here moving forward? Excellent question. They have played the who's who in the state this year. And while, yes, they have lost a couple ball games, hopefully it's propelled them towards a strong finish here. They close out the regular season at Huntington North Friday night. But I think Kokomo's playing their best basketball of the season. These big-time atmospheres, these players are used to it, Coach Peckinpah tells me. We've seen big-time Division One men's basketball college coaches in the gyms, the who's who of media around the state and sometimes nationally. So this Kokomo team's used to it. And so far to this point, they're thriving on it. They're undefeated in 2023. We'll see if they can keep it going uh, in the season finale at Huntington North. Thanks so much, Chris, for calling into the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Another win for the Cats. Make it 11 straight. We're talking more high school hoops next here on Indiana Sports Talk.